When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo. You are looking live at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. Standing in the middle of nowhere. Florida State Duke. Wondering how to begin. Lost between tomorrow and yesterday. Between now and then. This inaugural event for the national championship. And now we're back where we started. The Nokia Sugar Bowl. The Seminoles are champions. Tuning to it, I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Your number five two three ESPN five two three three seven seven six. Check us out online. Go to the website ESPNTallahassee.com. There you can listen live via the streaming free always. All three hours posted in the audio vault on our webpage. Also on iTunes for your convenience. All three hours commercial free. You can email the show if you like. JCS at nine seven nine ESPNRadio.com. That's JCS at nine seven nine ESPNRadio.com. Feel free, fire away with those emails. Love the participation via the email as well as Twitter at J Cameron Show is the uh, Twitter account at J Cameron Show. Also at nine seven nine ESPN Radio at underscore Tom Lang, my producers. 
Twitter if you would uh, like to uh, hit him up, say hey. I'm sure he would enjoy that, Tom. Would love that. Uh, mobile app, ESPN radio app is free. Tune in radio app, also free. You know, I had to learn to turn the notifications off at a certain hour. Like, there's a way you can do it at certain mm, hours you yeah, don't get them. Yeah. Because I got apparently hooked into a, a Twitter debate well after bedtime uh, <laughs> last week. So <laughs> ding, I thought it was ding, over. I thought it was ding. over, but I was wrong. Florida State. Off to Pasadena in the Rose Bowl to play for the national title against the Auburn Tigers. Oh, yes. Oh, man, that is good, good news. And while it was seemingly a foregone conclusion, and we sort of slept walk through the trouncing of Duke, it's nice to know officially who it is Florida State will seek to vanquish to grab their third national title. And it certainly feels fitting that we play in this, the final BCS championship game since we played in the first three and uh, it's been a long time coming I asked the question to start the show and kind of reveled in this I feel so happy for the younger generation of Knowles that makes me sound like an old man and certainly I'd like to think I'm not somewhere in between is likely the truth I'm 42 years old I was here in the early 90s going to school and you know those were good times heady times and Florida State won and won a lot and you got really used to it of course the opposite was true the further we got into the 2000s in the midst of the lost decade and so many including my Cohort here, Tom Lang, had to suffer through four loss, five loss, and six loss seasons, and it looked like it wouldn't turn around, but alas, it has now. It's good to, it's good to see the joy on their faces and to see them experience the return to greatness. They, too, now know what will it be like to sit around for a month and wait for the national championship game and all the while revel in the coverage, enjoy the branding that gets done in this situation. You want to talk about the ultimate boon to recruiting. Certainly it's great for the pocketbooks, re-energizes a city, tends to resonate for more than a year as well. As I gave you the stats from last week, some of the number crunching there, the two-year averages and boosting revenue that a just an appearance in the national championship game brings. Hopefully for Florida State, this is part of a two-year run at either back-to-back national titles or at least – uh, a securing of one. Uh, you'd like to think that this could be something that they have in place for a while. We'll have to wait. Certainly they have to play this game against Auburn and win this game against Auburn and to complete the deal. Right now we certainly like to look at this team as one of the all-time greats. There are some records still to be broken for Florida State and the ACC Conference for Florida State within it. Uh, there's, in terms of records that could fall with just one game remaining, uh, you go back and look at Total offense, uh, this team has uh, has already broken uh, records in that category. Uh, passing yards, they need just 423 uh, to set a record. I don't think they're going to get there. That um, would be something. Although Auburn's defense is, well, certainly suspect. Uh, you look at most points, uh, already broken that one for a season. Um, you get into all-time NCAA offensive records in danger. Most points, 2008, done by the Oklahoma Sooners, who themselves had a huge win over the weekend against Oklahoma State in in the Bedlam game. Go back to that Sam Bradford team, 716 points. Uh, Florida State needs just 27 points to set the all-time NCAA record for points in a season. They could easily get that maybe in the first half against Auburn. That pass defense is in the triple digits in terms of rankings. Auburn's, just so you know. Yeah, no, it was... uh, it was something, the SEC game, and not something pretty. 
Uh, if you're an Auburn fan, you don't care. Obviously, you did what you had to down the stretch, lived a charmed life. Everybody else began to fall by the wayside, and there you are now with an opportunity one year removed from a 3-9 and nine campaign to win a national championship. Gus Malzahn has done a great job there. There's no denying that. Uh, they are SEC champs, and they are the foe. Weird to watch an SEC championship game play out that way. It was awful. Awful, awful. It looked like arena football. I'll repeat my stance from the first hour. If that was a game played between two other teams in a different conference, SEC fans and teams would mock the lack of defense in said conference. They would uh, point their finger and say, that's the difference between their league and ours. We make stops. Of course, that wasn't the case this year at times in the SEC and certainly not in the SEC championship game in which... When you look in total, it was a joke. 101 point, 101 points scored in this game, over 1,200 yards, uh, 776 rush yards combined, uh, you know, over 435 yards passing. You had over 100 yards in penalties, an ugly game in which players did not maintain gap integrity, Tom, maintain assignment, football, eye discipline, all the things we hear about through the course of a season. Didn't happen. All Missouri was intent on doing was rushing upfield, shielded, peace, another long run. Are you questioning my gap integrity? I am questioning Missouri's gap integrity. There's no question that team had a hard time with Auburn's attack. Of course, Florida State hasn't faced a team that runs this kind of attack the way that Auburn does, but they are built to stop the spread, and uh, this is the same offense, in essence, that Clemson runs. Do they run it better than Clemson? Well, I think so. I think so, but I do think we'll fare a bit better against Auburn's offense than some of these SEC teams down the stretch. You might say, well, Alabama has a good defense, Jeff. How come Alabama didn't stop Auburn from running the football? One big reason, I think, is their corners. You look at, all, you look at Alabama this year, their corners, not up to snuff in comparison to Alabama teams of uh, the last few years. Now, you, you again might say, what, what the hell does that have to do with anything? They were, they were getting run on, not passed on. Well, it has a lot to do with it because Alabama ended up playing too high with their safeties and trying to protect their corners, and Florida State won't have to do that. Florida State can walk up a safety and say, all right, let's go. The other reason is, I think, for Florida State, and it's very important, Mario Edwards Jr. is a difference maker in setting the edge against the run. Auburn has a 6'8", 320-plus pound tackle. You've got to have some girth to man up against that outside run. I think Mario Edwards Jr., the difference maker there, perhaps the best defensive end against the run in the country. It's arguable, but he's certainly in the conversation. He was not involved in the game in which we played against Boston College, a game that many experts will cite this week when talking about why Auburn might have an advantage. They're going to look back at the one game Florida State played against a team that could really run the football, and that's BC, and they're going to say that Florida State gave up a lot in the way of rushing yards. Florida State did give up a lot in the way of rushing yards in that first quarter, in particular the first quarter and a half. But Mario Edwards Jr. did not play in that game for starters. And secondarily, you remember Christian Jones was at the Mike linebacker position. Really, that was the impetus to move him at that point. He did not play that position strong. We got him out on the edge. The other thing I would point to is that 
Tobin Smith is such an instinctive and smart linebacker at diagnosing plays, and I think he learned his lesson as well in that BC game. You cannot try to run around blocks. you got to man up and take on blocks. That's the other thing about the Missouri game that was hard to watch. Missouri, again, running around blocks, running around blocks, not taking on blocks, not playing big boy football. Jimbo Fisher has talked about the way we play defense, the way we desire to play defense, the kinds of things that he needs his guys to do. After that BC game, he sent the message uh, that soft football will not be tolerated and that you had to be willing uh, to get bloody, to get in there, stick your head in there, and be physical. Uh, and, and he mentioned about the uh, thudding, and he certainly mentioned about the, the shots in the throat, uh, which I, I kind of smiled, kind of rather enjoyed that. Uh, so, you know, we got a matchup here that I think we can handle. It's a game I like Florida State to win. Vegas does too. Florida State, the early favorite, depending on where you're looking, seven and a half to eight and a half points may come down as we get closer and closer. Certainly, there is the perception that anytime the SEC is in a national championship game, they're going to win it. And they've done a lot to earn that over the last seven years. So I get it. But this SEC does not resemble last year's SEC or the year before's SEC. This year's SEC, somewhere along the way, forgot about stopping people on defense. Well, I step inside, but you don't see too many faces. Welcome back, Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. Delightful Monday. I could do with it out be, uh, without it being 80 degrees in the middle of December, but hey. Has that begun to weigh on you? Has that begun to hurt your heart? It's, it's, hurting. it's hurting mine. It I, hurts I, my heart. I, I'm beginning to get really pissed, frankly. When I walk out in the mornings or in the evenings and it's still... And you're sweating? Well, yeah, close. If I'm even close to sweating. If there's a perception that even mild activity could generate sweat that, in this the, weather. The, the blanket, the thick blanket of humidity. Yeah, that's, there it is. Yes. It's wrong. It is wrong. It's almost tear-inducing. And we missed the, this massive cold front by mere miles because apparently Atlanta was like 40 degrees cooler yeah, than they were. Yeah, it's nicely, it's nice cold every, everywhere else. Now, Cary, North Carolina didn't look like a fun place to be yesterday as I watched the ladies play soccer and... Uh, while I was heartbroken to see them lose the national championship game, I will say that UCLA controlled the action of that game. It really was a dominant performance by UCLA that probably should have been over in regulation. But it, it, the reason I take heart in that is I, I can handle losing games to a better team. I always, I've always been all right. I mean, not all right, but I've always been able to handle that, right? When you watch a game and somebody controls the action, I mean, we're a possession team and they control the possession. I mean, that was pretty much your game. And so you're watching that and you're going, oh, all right, well hate that i was hoping to steal it i was hoping to get to pks and steal a win that's one of the downsides of that game is that you can thoroughly outplay somebody not put one in the back of the net and then losing pks and that sucks that's just that's one of the complaints about the sport i was hoping we could do that steal that win the national championship so be it didn't happen although the weather conditions were dreadful did you happen to see the end of the virginia tech game in the semifinals it was nuts the three to two win yeah uh i did tech see, scored to tie it yeah i did waning see moments yeah, i mean yeah yeah, yeah that's, um, and then just this miracle kick goes in. From, oopsie. Yeah. 
off the back of the goalkeeper, off the yeah, post. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw it. I was oh. laughing about that. I was like, mm. yeah, all right. Well, we swept them at least. A hell that's, of a cross. Oh, but that's three wins on the year against the same team. We were better than they were. I don't were. believe that qualified as a shot. I believe that's a cross. This, this, this one here. Anyhow. Back post. It's time, my friends. Go see the folks at the Hourglass. Cue it up, Tommy. Open your eyes. Glasses. I can't be seen without my glasses. That is absolutely horrendous. I don't believe this call is accurate. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. Man, I can see. Good vision. It's time for the vision check. Ah, the vision check. We do it on Mondays. Thanks to our good friends at the Hourglass. Our vision is your vision. Customer service, their number one priority, and they are the best far and away. Man, have I enjoyed my relationship with them. It's a good thing I went to see them. I didn't know what I wasn't seeing. Until I got my eyes checked and got the opportunity to get that exam, frames, lenses, all of that is, well, the amount of choices that you have, simply absurd. Moreover, though, I think their doctors, Southeast Eye Specialists, are just incredible. And I, I, I again, fully endorse the Hourglass and the work that they do. Give them a call today, 893-4687 off of Timberlane. Lafayette Street works better for you. Call 877-4687. The vision check this week had to do with that SEC championship game. I wouldn't ordinarily go that route since we're playing in the national championship game. But clearly, when you look at Florida State's dominance over Duke, that was kind of a foregone conclusion. This season, post-Clemson has kind of gone that way. I think this is more revealing of what the potential is for Florida State to procure that third national championship and taking a closer look at Auburn, who, by the way, is a different team now than they were to start the year. That much is true, and their offense is truly humming. Now, we'll see if the month off changes that but did you ever think you'd see the day where the SEC championship, one in which, by the way, I've spent years envying, especially as I took a look around the rest of college football and all the while I had a gripe about the ACC, whether that's a lack of attendance or a lack of quality opponents, even even in comparison to, say, the Big 12 or the Pac-12, both of whom uh, have had more compelling championship games since adopting that. I think the Big Ten championship game far more compelling as well to watch Michigan State and Ohio State. So I have my laments about the ACC. And usually it had to do with watching the SEC and what I thought was possible and what I'd like to see eventually. At least one more team on that opposite end, on that coastal, that could really play big boy football. We don't have it yet. We'll see if it comes about. But I did not think that while we watched those games play, we would end up seeing an arena football game break out in the SEC. In the last few weeks, there was a lot of that, a lot of poor tackling, a lot of lack of discipline, a lot of lack of adjustment. And certainly poorest defense after poorest defense refusing to make a stop in the most critical moments of football games, which is not the calling card of the SEC. You wanted further proof of that. Missouri all year long, one of the best defensive teams in the country, go against Auburn and fail to make stops of any kind. In fact, Missouri, good Lord, 59 points given up, 677 total yards, 132 passing yards compared to 545 yards rushing. Auburn ran, folks, 74 rushing plays. 74. 40 yards were gained on seven Missouri penalties. Nick Marshall only had to throw it 11 times. He was successful as all get-out when he did, but he also ran for over 100 yards. Trey Mason, 46 carries, 304 yards, 6.6 carries uh, yards per carry, four touchdowns. I mentioned the combined stats, hideous for the SEC, and I dare say in this vision check, again, and I think most SEC fans might agree with me here. You could be mad if you will, but 
what happened is what happened. This did not resemble the things that the SEC had in place over a long stretch of time over the past decade that won them national championships. This game did not look like those games, did not feature dominance on the defensive side of the ball, where at the point attack, game after game, year after year, the SECs won the big matchups. You can't have over 1,200 yards of offense, over 101 points scored, over 435 pass yards and 776 rush yards. Can't have that kind of game and then call it pretty just because it resides in the SEC. It was hideous. It's not the kind of football that I think SEC fans want to see. And it was, for a while, fun until about halftime when you realized this was a one-sided game, meaning the offense was going to score no matter who had the ball, and the defense wasn't going to make a stop. That's the legacy of the SEC this season, though. I mean, top to bottom, you can think about all the marquee games. Alabama, Texas A&M, nobody makes a stop in that game either. LSU, Georgia, another score fest, 44-41 is the final there. Auburn, Georgia, 43-38. Auburn, Alabama, 34-28. Auburn, Missouri, 59-42. You think about some of the games that LSU we'll go back and look played. at LSU. Go back and look at Georgia all year long. The one team that played defense fairly consistently in that league was Florida until they got decimated by injury. That's it. LSU, Mississippi State, 59-26. Then Texas A&M played an offensive slugfest every game they played. 41-38 against Ole Miss. 51-41 Mississippi State. They're all out there. That's all it was. It was a league of scoring unless, like you said, you were playing Florida or you had an off night. Strange, strange. Uh, Alabama went through a stretch where they had the weaker portions of the schedule and they did dominate it defensively, but even they gave up over 300 yards rushing to Auburn, and that's or nearly 300 yards rushing to Auburn, and that is very un-Alabama-like. I cited their lack of play at corner and the safeties need to help out over the top. That uh, really hurt them. So uh, a different look for the SEC. Does that bode well for the ACC? I think it does. Now, listen, Hourglass is really doing the right thing here by you, and I'm not sure that I've done a good enough job of pressing upon you the importance of this. Guys, the Hourglass wants to focus on the gift of sight and give away. Give away both eye exams and lenses, frames, free. They're going to do two a week throughout the month of December. All you've got to do is nominate a friend or family member that you think could really benefit from this. You know what kind of savings that is. To be able to get a free eye exam and then once diagnosed whatever the problem might be with your eyes farsighted nearsighted something along those lines they'll give you the lenses they'll get you fitted they'll go through the process like i did and they'll do it professionally better than anybody i've encountered certainly i've enjoyed again at my relationship with the hourglass all you got to do is submit those nominations for people that you know that could benefit from this to our email inbox jcs at 979espnradio.com jcs at 979espnradio.com jcs at 979espnradio.com surely you know somebody a friend who's been eh, slightly hesitant nominate them nominate a family member hell nominate yourself if you're the one that could really benefit from this but let's take up the hourglass on this offer it's an amazing thing mark and the guys at the hourglass trying to reach out this holiday season and provide a free service a needed free service to so many you know somebody that could benefit from this JCS at 979ESPNRadio.com. If you want, in the subject heading, just put Hourglass, something like that, that allows for you to uh, tip off to us that, hey, you're submitting it, uh, a nomination. Jeff Cameron Show continues in a moment, 979ESPN Radio.
phone lines. Haven't taken a call yet today. 523 ESPN 523-3776. There, Tony resides, waiting patiently. Hello, Tony. How the hell are you? I'm doing all right, Jeff. How are you? I couldn't be better, buddy. Yeah, sitting up here in balmy Atlanta. It's 45 degrees. You'd I, love it. I wish it were 45 or anywhere near 45 degrees yeah. here. Absolutely. I could have done without the three inches of rain today, but other than that, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm like you. I like cold weather. Yeah, um, man, especially freaking Christmas time. Agreed, agreed. Hey, I, I, was, I had called about a couple things to listen to y'all, and, uh, you know, it, it, has Mizzou ever had a tackling drill? I mean, good <laughs> God. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, you played ball up through. I, I played one year of college out yeah, there. You played a couple years. Do you ever remember being on a team, even like middle school, that tackled like that? It's like, my God. I mean, they'd be in position, and then they would just, like, it's like their feet were in cement, and they'd reach out. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I think I was, Tony, is, real quick, I think I was more appalled uh, at the idea that they could not take on blocks ever. They all sidestepped blocks, and they all rushed upfield instead of maintaining ta- uh, gap integrity or their lane in any way. It's, it, it was odd against that kind of an offense where you know what they want to do. Why was everybody crashing? No, no, I'm with you on that, and... And the, and the other thing is, what was that little three-man tunnel defensive line? It's like, it isn't like Mizzou's got so much damn speed, they're going to beat Auburn in the corner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I could see us fading them into, I want you to try to do a jet sweep with Carl Lewis so he can knock him into the third row when he tries to turn the corner. Right, You know, right. I could see a team like us doing that. They don't have the personnel to do that crap. I mean, what the hell were they trying to do? It was ugly. It's like it's like you're going to be in the corner. Okay, I'll take the corner. You, I'll get, I'll take it and go forty yards. You're not going to stop me. And uh, I also wanted to see what you thought about. You know, you talked about Auburn running this so well, and, and you know, I'll, I'll give the high school coach with his pop Warner offense props, I guess. But 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 the point is, you know, teams that attack them downhill, like Mississippi State, LSU did it. Um, even Ole Miss, although they're very deficient in personnel, did it. They they had some success. Well, with LSU, they had no success. But they, they didn't have that much success. I, I really, and that's where I get to Bama. I really think Bama's style of playing a spread just was conducive for Auburn doing this. If Bama had just, you know, put, walked up a linebacker, something like that, I, I think it would have helped. I mean, quite frankly, I know Bama's corners really suck. They, they're just not okay. They suck this year. But God bless, you're really scared of those Auburn wideouts. Enough to where you're just not going to leave them on an island out there? I thought the same I, thing. I, the, 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 the Auburn wideouts, I appreciate the call, Tony. The Auburn wideouts are not something that most teams with decent to above average corners would be all that concerned with. I do think, and you just touched on it, Bama's corners were not very good this year. Uh, their corners, uh, arguably their best corners are freshmen. Uh, I, I think that, you know, again, they would have been able to walk a safety down. They just didn't trust their corners, and I, I think it was a mistake. They also missed four field goals in that game, and I, Alabama should have won that football game. They didn't. It's really the tale of Auburn's season this year. You look back, there are three or four games they've won that you thought they, they shouldn't have won. I, I, listen, Gus Malzahn's a good coach, though. I mean, I'm not a fan of that kind of offense. I would much rather succeed using a pro-style offense it does have its place in college football, certainly. Uh, most teams certainly run some form of the spread, and, and we do too at times. So I, I don't mind in, in, you know, incorporating some of that into my offense. I don't want it to be the calling card of my offense. Um, I just think that when you face a team that can uh, be 
discipline. For, you know, I, I think that's really what it's about, being disciplined, certainly not falling for uh, the gadgetry of an offense like that. Uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher touched on it so many times this year about eye discipline, eye discipline, and he'll get going on a, on a theme in a given season and return to it several times over, but it's usually not just rhetoric or coach speak. It's something that is germane to the game today or the week or the month or the style of the uh, of the moment. And he's seen, I mean, this is one area where I think being an offensive mind the way that he is, being a guy that is memorized and, and certainly fallen in love with the various forms of offensive football. And, and by the way, if you ever sit and just talk with Coach Fisher, just talk with him about offense, and there have been others who've done it more than I have. I, I don't want to sit there and tell you that I sit around talking offensive football with him all day, but any chance you get to listen to him expound upon what teams are doing now compared to yesteryear and what's in vogue and why and how you stop it, it's fascinating. I mean, he is, and in, in, I, I think people took it the wrong way the first time I ever said this, he is in many ways like a football savant. I mean, we joke all the time, the off the top of his head, ability to remember stats and scores and yardage totals and things like that from games that were played 28 years ago or 15 years ago or five years ago and guys stats that he either coached or coached against off the top of his head it's because he's a football junkie he's a guy that loves the game loves the strategy of the game and i think this is where we truly benefit from having a guy like this because he looks at the game historically and the various kinds of offenses that were run this decade compared to this decade, personnel changes that took this away, which allowed for this to open up. And so that's something that, you know, if you're a fan of history, any history, I mean, some people it's European, some people it's, you know, United States history, whatever it might be, you, you, you learn early on that... Who likes European history? <laughs> uh, you learn early on. Russian history is cool, too. You learn early on, don't even start. Eyes on you. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, you learn early on that anything that happened in this century affected this century and led to this result, right? You put it all together. Football's that way. And I like when he starts talking, well, all, all they're doing there is, is they're taking a form of this, moving it over here, and you got to do this, and that, 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 open, that, that, that makes you come up with safety, and then you got to and, – and he just – he's like this, boom, 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 boom. And then he'll say, nah, nah, nah. Well, you got to counteract that. <laughs> then, boom, 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 boom. And he'll get into that. I, he probably loves sitting there diagnosing. He, he loves sitting here on the whiteboard, uh, dry erase board, you know. All right, guys. You know, and then he's going to talk about what Malzahn does, what that offense is meant to do, why. This offensive system is predicated on toughness, guys. <laughs> toughness. Let me show you what this tough system does. Yeah, yeah. To circumvent physicality. Yeah, no, it's um it's fun though. I, I I he'll probably at some point, we have a long time between now and the game, have one of those moments where he's relaxed and he's just shooting the breeze with the press and he'll get into this because he's gonna get asked the questions about what Malzon does, what that offense is meant to do, why it's difficult when it's run properly. Every offense when the entirety of the team executes, when you're talking about the ultimate team game, whatever it is you run, whether it's spread and option and all that stuff in court or pro style or 
hell, if you decide some form of the run and shoot, whatever it might be, right, air raid offense, can be effective if you execute at, at an alarming percentage, if you're able to execute the play to a T as it's drawn 95% of the time. Well, you're going to have success. Of course, the other team's trying too. Those boys are on scholarship as well, and they're going to do stuff to disrupt your timing. But all of those offenses can be terribly effective if you don't take the one thing that it's predicated on away. And I think that's where Florida State has a real – I mean, when we talk about teams like Baylor who got physically beat up against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State did a great job of disrupting the rhythm and the timing of that offense. Well, you do that with penetration. You do that with being physical with the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. I think Florida State has that advantage here against Auburn in that you set the edge against the run. That's where recruiting 275-pound defensive end is, is – it was built to stop these kinds of offenses. Now, again, we're a little smallish at linebacker, so you could argue against us there whether or not Telvin and those kinds of guys can take on a block. It's fun. We've got 30 days. We've got a long time. Good times. ESPN Radio. So much to get into for the rest of the week. And one of those things, and I, we ran out of time, didn't have time to get to it. Somebody called about it a moment ago, and I wanted more time to expound on this, but you saw the uh, injury to Gronk, right? Have you seen it? I saw it live. Uh, was... He's 24 years old, man. That's a, that's a, that's a lifetime worth of beatdowns on a 24-year-old body. The forearm surgeries, the back surgery, the staph infection, now this. Um, when it happened, the New England Patriots color analyst, uh, former NFL player himself, said you can blame the commissioner and the wussification of the National Football League for these kinds of hits from safeties. Safeties who are no longer allowed to hit anywhere near the upper body feel the need now to dive and dive low uh, in order to avoid uh, penalties, fines, excessive fines at that, and ejection. I really believe there's, at times when you see these replays, a better way between, it's almost like the strike zone in Major League Baseball. The shoulders to the knee. You know, the shoulders to the knee. We need to be teaching defensive players to wrap up and to shoot for the shoulders to the knee. And if a play occurs in which you deem the intent was to do just that, but it didn't work out that way because a shift of the body, an angle, a twist, or something along those lines, then you do not flag it, you do not eject, you call it what it is, a byproduct of a violent game. An understandable byproduct of a violent game. If you deem the intent is truly there, that somebody aims with the crown of their helmet and launches above that or below that in a way that is intending to harm, you flag it. 
But I think that in our efforts to change the way defensive players think, we have now created a new problem, one that results in physical damage far less devastating than brain injury. That part's a good thing. Knees will heal, but careers will be ruined. And I think you have to be prepared for that until they can figure out some way to address this in the rules of football to where guys are indeed thinking out there, and that's the key point, thinking out there, not just looking to blow somebody up, but also capable of playing the game at speed and having the right to make a mistake without a fear of being fined $50,000 if clearly there's no intent. And you can go back and generally tell that. I, I don't think you can always get it right. Sometimes there is that, that blurred line. But for the most part, when we go back and watch these replays, initially when Nick O'Leary, for example, was hitting the end zone in the game against Duke, I thought, man, that's a clean hit. He doesn't get him up above the head. It's right there in the waist or stomach area. But in the slow motion replay, you see clearly terrible technique. It's the way that guys break their necks. It's uh, no way to tackle. He leads with the crown of his helmet, which has always, by the way, been a penalty. Always, since the dawn of the game. That would have been flagged 25 years ago. So I understood it. But uh, the slow motion replay showed us that. Gave us the intent that you needed to eject. Had that been a shoulder to the gut, you would have said, all right, no problem there. I mean, I think we can generally tell, right? But these knee, these knee injuries, this is going to happen. This is going to be the bot. People are tired of getting fined. 40 and 50 grand. Toss from game. Good work out of you to those that called and or listen. Truly do appreciate you guys. Take care. Have a great night. Talk to you tomorrow.